0: volume one chapters nine and ten of the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine mr barnaby pays a visit to compton bassett and receives from the heiress a formal conget. agnes is sent back to school and remains there till called home by the news of his death some surprise and great indignation were expressed by mrs barnaby on hearing that miss compton had departed without the civility of taking leave she resented greatly the rudeness to herself but as she justly said the meaning of it was much more important to agnes than to her what is to become of her mr barnaby i should like to know said the angry lady agnes says that mrs wilmot expects her back directly and who is to pay the expense of sending her i wonder mr barnaby assured her in reply that there would be no difficulty about that adding that they should doubtless hear from miss compton as soon as she had recovered the painful effect of the scenes at which she had so lately been present days passed however the funeral was over and everything in the family of mr barnaby restored to its usual routine yet still they heard nothing of miss compton i see clearly how it is said the shrewd lady of the manor aunt betsy means to throw the whole burden of poor dear little agnes upon us and what in the world are we to do with her barnaby i cannot think she has any such intention martha after the excellent education she has been giving her for the last three or four years it is hardly likely that she would suddenly give her up when it is impossible that she must have been delighted with her but at any rate make yourself easy my dear martha if she abandons her we will not we have no children of our own and i think the best thing we can do is to adopt this dear girl she is really the sweetest little creature i ever saw in my life i can assure you that when her education is finished i for one should be delighted to have her live with us what say you to it martha i am sure you are goodness itself my dear barnaby and if the crabbed crooked old maid would just promise at once to leave her the little she may have left her after all her ostentatious charities i should make no objection whatever to our adopting agnes she is just like poor sophy and it certainly is a pleasure to look at her well then don't fret yourself any more about aunt betsy i will call upon her one of these days when i happen to be going compton-basset way and find out if i can what she means to do about sending her back to mrs wilmot it would be a pity not to finish her education for it is easy to see that she has had great justice done her it was not however till some word from agnes gave him to understand that she was herself very anxious about going on with her studies and desirous of letting mrs wilmot know what was become of her that he made or met an opportunity of conversing with miss compton he found her reading a novel in her chimney-corner and dressed in deep but very homely mourning she received him civilly nay there was even something of kindness in her manner when she reverted to the time she had passed in his house and thanked him for the hospitality he had shown her he soon perceived however that the name of agnes produced no feeling of interest but that on the contrary when he mentioned her the expression of the old lady's face changed from very pleasing serenity to peevish discomfort so he wisely determined to make what he had to say a matter of business and immediately entered upon it accordingly my principal reason miss compton for troubling you with a visit said he is to learn what are your wishes and intentions respecting miss willoughby is it your purpose to send her back to mrs wilmot i have already been at a great and very inconvenient expense mr barnaby for the education of agnes willoughby but as i have no intention whatever of straitening my poor little income any further by incurring cost on her account i am glad that what i have done has been of the nature most likely to make her independent of me and of you too mr barnaby in future when i first placed her with mrs wilmot i agreed to keep her there for five years seventeen months of which are still unexpired to this engagement i am willing to adhere and though i can't say i think her a very bright girl but rather perhaps a little inclining towards the contrary yet still i imagine when she knows she has her own bread to get she may be induced to exert herself sufficiently during the next year and five months to enable her to take the place of governess to very young children or perhaps that of teacher in a second or third-rate school that's my notion about her mr barnaby and now if you please i never wish to hear any more upon the subject greatly displeased by the manner in which miss compton spoke of his young favourite mr barnaby rose and very dryly wished her good-morning adding however that no farther delay should take place in sending miss willoughby back to resume her studies he was then bowing off but the little lady stopped him saying as i have been the means of sending the child to such a distance from her nearest relation i mean your wife sir it is but just that i should pay such travelling expenses as are consequent upon it here sir is a ten-pound note that i have carefully set apart for this purpose have the kindness to dispense it for her as may seem most convenient and now sir farewell i wish not again to have my humble retreat disturbed by any person so much above me in all worldly advantages as you and your elegant wife and having performed what i thought to be my duty by the little willoughby i beg to have nothing farther to do with her i dare say your lady will grow exceedingly fond of her for it seems to me that they are vastly alike and if that happens there will be no danger of the young girls wanting anything that a poor little sickly and deformed old body like me could do for her good-morning mr barnaby mr barnaby silently received the ten pounds which he thought he had no right to refuse and having patiently waited till miss compton had concluded her speech he returned her good-morning and took his leave the worthy apothecary's account of his visit produced considerable sensation agnes indeed received it in silence but the offensive brightness of her eyes was dimmed for a moment or two by a few involuntary tears her young heart was disappointed for not only had the strong liking conceived by the wilmot family for her aunt betsy led her to believe that she must unquestionably like her too but she gratefully remembered her former gentle quiet kindness to herself and worse still on being brought back amongst her relatives she had contrary to what is usual in such cases conceived the greatest predilection for the only one among them who did not like her at all but it was not in silence that mrs barnaby received her husband's statement of the capricious old lady's firmly pronounced resolve of never having anything more to do with agnes willoughby all the old familiar epithets of abuse came forth again as fresh and vigorous as if but newly coined and though these were mixed up with language which it was by no means agreeable to hear her judicious husband suffered her to run on without opposition till she was fairly out of breath and then closed the conversation by putting a bed-candle into her hand and saying now let us all go to bed my dear and i dare say you will have much pleasure in proving to your peevish relative that as long as you live agnes will want no other aunt to take care of her the good seed sown with these words brought forth fruit abundantly mrs barnaby could not do enough in her own estimation to prove to the whole town of silverton the contrast between miss compton and herself the difference between a bad aunt and a good one fortunately for the well-being of agnes at this important period of her existence she had inspired a strong feeling of affectionate interest in a more rational being than mrs barnaby her well-judging husband thought they should do better service to the young girl by sending her back to mrs wilmot with as little delay as possible than by keeping her with them for the purpose of proving to all the world that they were the fondest and most generous uncle and aunt that ever a dependent niece was blessed with and she was sent back to empton accordingly in order to do justice to the kindness of mr barnaby's adoption of the desolate girl it must be remembered that neither he nor his wife had any knowledge of the scene which passed between miss compton and her brother before his death neither had the least idea that the old lady possessed anything beyond her original moiety of the compton Bassett estate and they both believed her to be capricious as to render it very probable although it was remembered she had once talked of leaving it to those who had claims on her that some of the poor of her parish might eventually become her heirs an idea which the unaccountable dislike she appeared to have taken to agnes greatly tended to confirm once during the time that remained for her continuance with the wilmots agnes paid a fortnight's visit to the abode she was now taught to consider as her home the next time she entered it a few weeks only before the period fixed for the termination of her studies she was summoned thither by the very sudden death of her excellent and valuable friend mr barnaby this event produced an entire and even violent change in her prospects and manner of life as well as in those of her aunt and it is from this epoch that the narrative promised by the title of the widow barnaby actually commences the foregoing pages being only a necessary prologue to the appearance of my heroine in that character chapter x the widow barnaby enters actively on her new existence her wealth her happy prospects mrs wilmot visits miss compton and obtains leave to introduce agnes willoughby mrs barnaby was really very sorry for the death of her husband and wept with little or no effort several times during the dismal week that preceded his interment but she was not a woman to indulge long in so very unprofitable a weakness and accordingly as soon as the funeral was over and the will read by which he left her sole executrix and sole legatee of all he possessed she very rationally began to meditate upon her position and upon the best mode of enjoying the many good things which had fallen to her share she certainly felt both proud and happy at the thought of her independence and her wealth of the first she unquestionably had as much as it was possible for woman to possess for no human being existed who had any right whatever to control her on the second her judgment would have been more correct had she better understood the value of money though it is hardly possible any day should pass without adding something to the knowledge of all civilized being on this subject it is nevertheless certain that there are two modes of education which lead the mind and in after life into very erroneous estimates respecting it the one is being brought up to spend exactly as much money as you please and the other having it deeply impressed on your mind that you are to spend none at all in the first case it is long before the most complete reverse of fortune can make the ci-devant rich man understand how a little money can be eked out so as to perform the office of a great deal and in the last the change from having no money to having some will often if it comes suddenly so puzzle all foregone conclusions as to leave the possessor wonderfully little power to manage it discreetly the latter case was pretty nearly that of mrs barnaby when she learned that her dear lost husband had left her uncontrolled mistress of property to the amount of three hundred and seventy-two pounds per annum besides the house and furniture the shop and all it contained she really felt as if her power in this life were colossal and that she might roam the world either for conquest or amusement or sustain in silverton the style of a retired duchess as might suit her fancy best never yet had this lady's temper been so amiably placid or so caressingly kind as during the first month of her widowhood she gave agnes to understand that she wished to be considered as her mother and trusted that they should find in each other all the happiness and affection which that tenderest of ties was so well calculated to produce it will not be my fault agnes she said if such be not the case thanks be to heaven and my dear lost barnaby i have wealth enough to consult both your pleasure and advantage in my future mode of life and be assured my dear that however much my own widowed feelings might lead me to prefer the tranquil consolations of retirement i shall consider it my duty to live more for you than for myself and i will indeed hasten in spite of my feelings to lay aside these sad weeds that i may be able with as little delay as possible to give you such an introduction to the world as my niece has a right to expect agnes was at a loss what to reply she had still all the frank straightforwardness of a child who has been educated by unaffected sensible people and yet she knew that she must not on this occasion say quite what she thought which would probably have been pray don't fancy that i want you to throw aside your widow's weeds for me aunt i don't believe you are one half as sorry for uncle barnaby's death as i am but fortunately there was no mixture of betsy's in her frankness and though it might have been beyond her power to express any great satisfaction at being thus addressed she had no difficulty in saying you are very kind to me aunt for this was true notwithstanding this youthful frankness of mind however agnes had by this time lost in a great measure that very childish look which distinguished her at the time her appearance so little pleased the fastidious taste of miss compton she was still indeed in very good health which was indicated by a colour as fresh and almost as delicate too as that of a wild rose but her rapid growth during the last two years had quite destroyed the offensive roundness and her tall well-made person gave as hopeful a promise as could be wished for of womanly grace and beauty the fair face was already the very perfection of loveliness and had the secretly proud miss compton seen her as she walked in her deep heavy mourning beside her wide-spreading aunt to church on the sunday when that lady first restored herself to the public eye she might perchance have thought that not only was she worthy to inherit compton Bassett and all its accumulated rents but any other glory and honour that this little earth of ours could bestow a feeling of strong mutual affection between the parties led both the wilmot family and agnes to petition earnestly that the few weeks which remained of the stipulated and already paid for five years might be completed and mrs barnaby though it was really somewhat against her inclination consented but though she had not desired this renewed absence of her niece the notable widow determined to put it to profit and set about a final arrangement of all her concerns with an activity that proved good mr barnaby quite right in not having troubled her with any assistant executor she soon contrived to learn who it was who wished to succeed her dear barnaby and manage matters so admirably well as to make the eager young man pay for the house furniture shop etc., etc about half as much again as they were worth cleverly contriving moreover to retain possession for three months this important business being settled she set herself earnestly and deliberately to consider what when these three months should expire she should do with her freedom her money herself and her niece in deciding upon this question she called none to counsel for she had sense enough to avow to herself that she should pay not the slightest attention to any opinion but her own in silence and in solitude therefore she pondered upon the future and to assist her speculations she drew forth from the recesses of an old-fashioned bureau sundry documents and memoranda relative to the property bequeathed to her by her husband it was evident that her income would now somewhat exceed four hundred a year and this appeared to her amply sufficient to assist the schemes already working in her head for future aggrandizement but by no means equal to what she felt her beauty and her talents gave her a right to hope for it is however a handsome income thought she and such a one as with my person may and must if properly made use of lead to all i wish mrs barnaby had once heard it said by a clever human wishes might oftener be achieved did mortals better know how to act about obtaining them first said the oracle let him be sure to find out what his wishes really are this ascertained let him in the second place employ all his acuteness to discover what is required for their fulfilment Thirdly, let him examine himself and his position in order to decide how much he or it can contribute towards this. Fourthly, let him subtract the sum of the capabilities he possesses from the total of means required. Fifthly, let him learn by, with, and in his heart of hearts what it is that constitutes the remainder. And sixthly, and lastly, let him gird up the loins of his resolution and start forth determined to acquire them. Whoso doeth this shall seldom fail. In the course of her visitings military friendships and all included mrs barnaby even in the small arena of silverton had heard several wise things in her day but none of them ever produced such lasting effects as the words i have just quoted they touched some chord within her that vibrated not indeed with such a thrill as they might have made to ring along the nerves of a fine creature new to life and emulous of all things good and great but with a little sharp twitch just at that point of the brain where self-love expands itself into a mesh of ways and means, instinct with will, to catch all it can that may be brought home to glut the craving for enjoyment. And so pregnant did they seem to her of the only wisdom that she wished to master, that her memory seized upon them with extraordinary energy, nor ever after relinquished its hold. Little, however, could it profit her at the time she heard it, but she kept it, like an ape in the corner of his jaw, first mouthed, to be last swallowed. It was upon these words that she now pondered. Her two elbows set on the open bureau, her legs stretched under it, her lips resting upon the knuckles of her clasped hands, and her eyes fixed in deep abstraction on the row of pigeon-holes before her, she entered upon a sort of self-catechism which ran thus. Question: What is it that I most wish for on earth? Answer: A rich and fashionable husband. Q what is required to obtain this a beauty fortune talents and a free entrance into good society q do i possess any of these and which a i possess beauty fortune and talents q what remains wanting a a free entrance into good society true she exclaimed aloud it is that i want and it is that i must procure notwithstanding her sanguine estimate of herself the widow when she arrived at this point was fain to confess that she did not know exactly how this necessary addition to her ways and means was to be acquired beyond the town of silverton and a thinly inhabited circuit of a mile or two round it she had not a personal acquaintance in the world this was a very perplexing consideration for our lady determined upon finding her way into the first circles but its effect was rather to strengthen than relax her energies there was however one person and she truly believed one only in the wide world who might at her first setting out upon her progress be useful to her this was a sister of mr barnaby's married to a clothier whose manufactory was at frome but whose residence was happily at clifton near bristol she had never seen this lady or any of her family all intercourse between the brother and sister having of late years consisted in letters not very frequent and the occasional interchange of presents a jar of turtle being now and then forwarded by mail from bristol and dainty quarters of exmoor mutton and tin pots of clouted cream returned from silverton nevertheless mrs peters was her sister-in-law just as much as if they had lived next door to each other for the last five years and she had of course a right to all the kindness and hospitality so near a connection demands a clothier's wife to be sure was not exactly the sort of person she would have chosen had choice been left her but it was better than nothing infinitely better and besides as the logical widow's head went on to reason she may introduce me to people above herself at a public place too like clifton it must be so easy and then every new acquaintance i make will serve to lead on to another i am not so shy but i can turn all accidents to account and i am not such a fool as to stand at one end of a room when i ought to be at the other mrs barnaby never quoted shakespeare or she would probably have added here why then the world's mine oyster which i with wit will open for it was with some such thought that her soliloquy ended day by day the absence of agnes wore away and day after day some business preparatory to departure despatched sometimes the hours were winged by her having to pull about all the finery in her possession and dividing it into portions some to be abandoned for ever some to be enveloped with reverent care in cotton and silver paper for her future use and some to be given to the favoured agnes while such cares occupied her hands her thoughts naturally enough hurried forward to the time when she should lay aside her weeds this was a dress so hatefully unbecoming in her estimation that she firmly believed the inventor of it must have been actuated by some feeling akin to which was instituted the horrible Hindu rite of which she had heard whereby living wives were sacrificed to their departed husbands only she cried bursting out into involuntary thanksgiving ours thank god is not for ever to appear for the first time in the fashionable world in this frightful disguise was quite out of the question and consequently she could not make her purposed visit to clifton till the time was arrived for throwing them off until to use her own words lilacs and greys were possible yet there were other considerations that had weight with her too his sister however shall just see me in my widow's weeds. thought she it may touch her heart perhaps and must make her feel how very nearly we are related but before any living soul out of the family can come near me i will take care to look what i really am six months it must i suppose be six months first dreadful bore the first half of this probationary term was to be passed at silverton that was already wearing fast away and for the latter part of it she determined to take lodgings in exeter yes it shall be exeter she exclaimed and then added with a perfect quiver of delight oh what a difference now from what it was formerly how well i remember the time when a journey to exeter appeared to me the very gayest thing in the world and now i should no more think of staying there than a queen would think of passing her life in her bedroom the more she meditated on the future indeed the more enamoured did she become of it till at length her affairs being very nearly all brought to a satisfactory conclusion a restless sort of impatience seized upon her and nearly a fortnight before the time fixed for the return of agnes she wrote a very peremptory letter of recall but altogether omitted to point out either the mode of conveyance or the protection she deemed necessary for her during the journey perhaps mrs wilmot was not sorry for this as it afforded her an excuse for remaining herself to the last possible moment with a pupil who had found the way to create almost a maternal interest in her heart and moreover gave her an opportunity of seeking an interview with a singular but interesting recluse who five years before had placed in her hands the endearing though ignorant little girl whose education had proved a task so unusually pleasing the principal reason however for mrs wilmot's wishing to pay miss compton a visit arose from the description agnes had given of her conduct towards her and of the system of non-intercourse which was so evidently the little lady's intention to maintain without having uttered a word resembling fault-finding or complaint agnes had somehow or other made the wilmots feel that though aunt betsy certainly did not like her she liked aunt betsy a great deal better than she did aunt barnaby and this added to the favourable impression miss compton had herself left upon their minds made the good mrs wilmot exceedingly anxious that she should not remain ignorant of the treasure she possessed in her young relation the delay of a few days before mrs wilmot could take her pupil home was inevitable and when they arrived mrs barnaby had bustled her affairs into such a state of forwardness that though she received them without any great appearance of melancholy or ill-humour she hinted pretty plainly that agnes came too late to be of much use to her in packing mrs wilmot made a very sufficient apology for the delay and then took leave saying that she should remain in silverton that night and drive out the next morning to pay her compliments to miss compton the bare mention of the spinster's name at once converted the widow's civility into rudeness she offered her guest neither refreshment nor accommodation of any kind and poor agnes had the pain of seeing her dearest friend depart to pass the night at an inn when she would have gladly stood by to watch her slumbers all night Might she have offered her own bed for her use on the following morning? Mrs. Wilmot paid her purposed visit to Miss Compton and found her in dress, occupation, and mode of life so precisely what she had been described before that not a word need be added on the subject. Greatly different, however, was the welcome she accorded that lady to what we have formerly seen her bestow upon her relatives. She greeted her, indeed, with a smile so cordial and a tone of voice so pleasantly expressive of the satisfaction her visit gave that it was only when the object of it was brought forward that mrs wilmot too discovered that miss compton could be a very cross little old lady when she chose it i shall quite long my dear madam to hear your opinion of my pupil said mrs wilmot for i cannot but flatter myself that you will be delighted with her then ask me nothing about her ma'am if you please replied the recluse but it is near two years miss compton since you saw her and she is wonderfully improved in that time said mrs wilmot yet i own i should have thought that even two years ago when you did see her that you must have found her a very charming girl full of sweetness and intelligence and with a face we had better say no more about her if you please mrs wilmot tartly interrupted the recluse i dare say you made the best you could of her and it is no fault of yours that old wiset's great-granddaughter should be a wiset but i hate the very sight of her as i do and have done and ever shall do that of all their kin and kind so it is no good to talk of it the sight of her reiterated the astonished mrs wilmot why my dear miss compton she is reckoned by every one that sees her to be one of the loveliest creatures that nature ever formed if her timid artless manners do not please you it is unfortunate but that you should not think her beautiful is impossible i beg your pardon ma'am i should not care a straw for the manners of a child for i know that time and care might change them but it is her person that i can't endure there is no disputing about taste you know i should not have thought indeed that she was quite the style for you to admire so violently but of course that is nothing to me i know that the look of her eyes and the colour of her cheeks is exactly what i think the most detestable there is no right or wrong in the matter it is all fancy and the sight of her makes me sick pray ma'am say no more about her there was but one way in which mrs wilmot could comprehend this extraordinary antipathy to what was so little calculated to inspire it and this was by supposing that miss compton's personal deformity rendered the sight of beauty painful to her an interpretation indeed as far as possible from the truth for the little spinster was peculiarly sensible to beauty of form and expression wherever she found it but it was the only explanation that suggested itself and with mingled feelings of pity and contempt mrs wilmot replied there may be no right or wrong miss compton in a judgment passed on external appearance only for it may as you observe be purely a matter of taste but surely it must be otherwise of an aversion conceived against a near relative whose amiable disposition faultless conduct and brilliant talents justly entitle her to the love esteem and admiration of the whole world this is not merely a matter of taste and in this there may be much wrong miss compton appeared struck by these words but after pondering a moment upon them replied and how can i tell mrs wilmot but that your judgment of this child's character and disposition may be as much distorted by unreasonable partiality as your opinion of her vulgar-looking person a new light here broke in upon the mind of mrs wilmot she remembered the remarkable plumpness of the little agnes before she made that sudden start in her growth which in the course of two important years had converted a clumsy-looking child into a tall slight elegant maid-girl and with greatly increased earnestness of manner she answered i only ask you to see her once miss compton i have no wish whatever that your judgment should be influenced by mind with respect either to the person or the mind of agnes willoughby but i greatly wish that your own opinion of her should be formed upon what she now is and not upon what she has been i am sure you must feel that this is reasonable will you then promise me that you will see her i will replied miss compton the request is reasonable and i promise to comply with it yet it can only be on one condition mrs wilmot and what is that miss compton that i may see her without her horrid aunt barnaby mrs wilmot smiled involuntarily but answered gravely of course miss compton that must be as you please rather than you should fail to see my pretty agnes i will remain another day from home on purpose to bring her to you myself will you receive us if we come over to you at this hour to-morrow morning i will again replied the recluse and whatever may be the result of the interview i shall hold myself indebted to the kind feelings which have led you to insist upon it thank you thank you said mrs wilmot rising to take her leave to-morrow then you will see me again with my young charge end of chapters nine and ten